0: We love the Christmas story, don't we? We love it. We love Christmas. We, we love the Christmas story. Uh, over the years that I've been here, we've preached the Christmas story during the Advent season and in many different ways. We've talked about the songs that are sung. We've talked about the, the characters of Christmas. We've looked at the wise men's gifts Uh, That we have at Christmas and and all of these different aspects that you can take and and think about the Christmas story. They're they're always a blessing and it's always wonderful to sit and and reflect on the Christmas story. But this Christmas morning, I want to share with you the simple sentence that the angel shares. And and within that one sentence alone contains the. The entire message of who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do if we pay attention to it. Look back at at verse 10. Verse 10 of Luke chapter 2. The angel said to them, fear not. Okay, so the angel appears. Angels are scary. Not like the little precious moments angels, right? Every time someone sees an angel, they like hit the floor and they think they're going to die. Okay? So the angels come to the shepherds and they say, fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news. That's what you want if an angel visits you. You want good news coming, right? So he comes and he says, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Great joy for all the people. So imagine an angel comes to you, and after you freak out, and you kind got to pull yourself together. He says, I've got good news for you that is going to bring great joy to everyone. Now that's exciting, isn't it? Like that's a that's a buildup, okay? What what is it? What is this great news for all the people that is to be of great joy? Verse eleven: For unto you is born this day in the city of David, and there's three titles here that are given to the Christ child: a Savior, who is the Christ, the Lord. And this morning. I want us to think about this threefold, the threefold attributes that the angel tells of the shepherds in the announcement and the herald of Jesus Christ being born and coming, of, of what he will be, of who he is, that he is Savior, that he is Christ, and that he is Lord. Let's think about those together. So the first is this, is that Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Savior. For Jesus to be Savior, there has to be predicated before that a condition, right? Because people that need saved have a problem. Are you with me? People that need saved have a problem. And that's why they need a Savior. If people don't have a problem, then they don't need a Savior. But the reality of it is, is that the the reason that Christ came, that God became flesh, that he dwelt among man, that he lived among us, is because he also went to the cross and he suffered and he died for us in our place, taking on our sins upon him. But the very fact that Christ is Savior shows that we need a Savior. And the reason that we need a Savior is because of our sinful condition. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible clearly states because of our sinfulness, because of our wickedness, because of our disobedience to God and to his law, we have come under God's wrath. We have come under God's punishment. We need saved. We need Christ. I don't know how to say it more, but you face a real problem. We all face a real problem, and our problem is twofold. First, we're born into sin. That's part of the Christmas story. Why was Jesus conceived of the virgin? Why why did that happen? Well, it was miraculous, but it was also meaningful, It was miraculous in that it took the power of God to do it, but it was meaningful because the reason that God did it is because Jesus does not inherit Adam's sin. We all, other than Jesus, have inherited Adam's sin. Not only have we inherited Adam's sin and Adam's sinfulness and his sinful inclinations, but it doesn't take very long before we act on them ourselves. So the heart of the Christmas story is that we need a savior, that we need a savior. Because Jesus is savior, I want to think of about a few attributes. First is this. We are accepted by him. Jesus doesn't just save us and, and then and then you poor pathetic things. You know what I had to do to save you? That's not the attitude of Christ. No, when Christ saves us, he adopts us into the family of God. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to turn there, I'm going to read three, verses 3 through 10. Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. For even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless for him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ Jesus not only saves us he he makes that we can be adopted and fully uh, redeemed and reconciled into God he brings acceptance not only does Christ bring acceptance as our Savior he brings deliverance I already mentioned the great exchange that took place upon the cross that Christ paid a real debt as Savior Christ went to the cross, took our sins upon himself that we might receive his righteousness. The holy, righteous one of God was judged upon the cross and faced death, not because of anything that he had done, but because he willingly took upon our sins for himself. 1 Peter 1 tells us this it talks about it as a ransom. The atonement is a ransom. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. When we think about the atonement of Christ in, in this aspect, we think about a ransom, right? Like we all... Watch the Hollywood movies. Somebody's kidnapped to get them back. You know, there's got to be a million dollars. There's a gunfight. It always ends with like a knife fight between two guys, right? We understand the concept of ransom. The Bible talks about, about Jesus being our Savior is that, that Jesus came as the perfect one. The lamb without spot, the lamb without blemish, the perfect sacrifice that went to the cross in our place. That we might be freed from the slavery of sin and the power of Satan. That's what Christmas means. When that angel says, He will be Savior, these are the ways that that Christ saved us. This is what He did on our behalf. And lastly, this salvation is permanent. Christ is not not a half Savior, He is a full Savior. We are preserved in him. First Peter also says this in chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who, by God's power, are being kept and guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Friends, there's a sense in which we acknowledge our sin. We acknowledge our need for Christ. We genuinely repent and trust in him. And we are saved. And and we say that. I'm saved. But I want you to remember as we think about this, that, that our salvation is guaranteed, but has not yet fully happened. We understand this promise because we say, I'm saved. And we have great assurance knowing what this verse says, that Jesus Christ, who has saved us and has called us, he will keep us. It is sure. It is firm. <coughs> And so Jesus is the Savior. We can have great joy this Christmas and every day knowing that Christ is the Savior. That he is our Savior. The second title that's given to Christ here by the angel, or to Jesus, is that of Christ. He says he is Savior, he is Christ Now, the title Christ is the same as the title Messiah. The difference is uh, from Christ, Christ comes from the Greek and Messiah comes from the Hebrew, but both speak to the same title, both speak to the the same uh, person, the anointed one, the the holy one, the, the one who was told will have a unique relationship with God, the one who we were told would have a unique purpose from God, and the one that we are told would have a unique position from God. All of those things, as you read through the Old Testament and you look to what the the New Testament speaks about Christ, what we see is that all of those things point to one individual, and that individual is Jesus Christ. When we say Jesus Christ, Christ, we're saying the name and the title. He is Jesus, that was the name that was given to him, and the title is, he is the Christ. He is God's Christ, other other places in the Bible will will say. And he is this anointed one, he is uh, this unique one. Not only is he savior, not not only does Christ save us, from our sins, but Christ brings us into a relationship with God. Christ, because of who he is is, as the Christ, he can bring us into this relationship with God. I I want you to think about that as we think about that he is the Christ. Because of Jesus, we can approach the Father. Before Christ, we cannot approach the Father and yet, once we are saved, once we're received by grace, once we're adopted into the family, all of these things that happen because of Christ, Hebrews tells us, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. That verse talks about that Jesus is our high priest. And because he's our high priest, we now have access to the very throne room of God, the Father. That's approaching, right? Jesus makes it that we can approach the Father, that our relationship is restored to the Father. And Jesus alone is the only way that this can happen. 1 Timothy 2, verse 55 tells us this, For as there is one God and there is one mediator, Between God and man, Christ Jesus. There is only one way. Salvation is universal in that it is uh, available to anyone and everyone from any background, from any economic status, from any educational point. Any person, any man, woman, or child with breath in their lungs can call upon the Lord Jesus and be saved. But we must call upon the Lord Jesus to be saved. It is infinitely universal. And yet, very particular that it must be found in Jesus Christ. For there is salvation in no one else. Jesus allows us to approach the Father. He also allows that we can appeal to the Father John sixteen twenty three says this. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Jesus removes all of the barriers of our sin, removes all of the barriers that would separate us from God, and makes a way that through his name that we can ask God and that God will hear us and that God loves us and accepts us and redeems us cares for us and gives to us. We also have an advocate with the Father because of Jesus. The name Christ. Part of the aspect of that is the, the high priest. The priesthood of Jesus. That he is our high priest. That in the, the new covenant. We no longer need to go through any human mediator. To have access to God. We go only through Jesus Christ. And one of the roles that Jesus Christ does as he's highly exalted and sits at the right hand of God is that he continually makes intercession for us. He continually prays for us. Hebrews 7 tells us of this, verse 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. I love that passage. He is able to save to the uttermost. Think of the hardest case, the most difficult circumstance, the greatest God hater. Think of an individual like the Apostle Paul himself, Saul of Tarsus, who went around zealously uh, capturing and putting individuals in the church of Jesus Christ to death, and God reveals himself to him and he is saved and transformed. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. That's what this Christ does. That's why we have great joy at Christmas because to born on that day, born to us, is a savior who can redeem us from our sin. Born on that day is the Christ. The Holy One of God who brings access and, and a relationship to God with us. We can be forgiven. And we can be brought into a right relationship because of Jesus. But that's not all. Jesus. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Christ. What else is he? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. When the angel calls Jesus Lord, he is speaking to a people that lived in a time very different than the time that we live in today. In America today, we really don't understand the concept of a Lord. We don't live under a monarchy we don't live uh, under the rule of individuals who gained that rule only because they were born to certain individuals. We live in a democracy where we vote and elect leaders, and, and, and so we can, we can unvote them later, we can speak against them. We live in a very different age than what most of the world has understood as far as those, the authority and the rule that would be over them. But Jesus, as he speaks, and his title here as the angel speaks of him, is that Jesus is not one who we vote for, but one who we recognize as king and submit ourselves under. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is king. Jesus is the one who is in absolute control. This title is to remind us that Christ is not only the absolute authority of all things, but Christ is to be the absolute authority within our lives. The the word of God is to be what we seek to do as we seek to honor Christ. As we think about Christ as Lord, there's a few things that I would like to highlight. First is this, we are to confess Christ as Lord. We are to confess Christ as Lord. Let me read to you from Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This this is a Christmas passage, isn't it? Taking on the form of a servant... Lord, to the glory of God the Father. What an encompassing passage that is. From the birth to the conquering of Jesus Christ, all of it is contained within that passage there. But but did you see in that passage that there will come a day and there will come a time that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord? The question is this will you bow the knee and confess to Christ in joy or in judgment? Will you bow the knee and confess to Christ today that He is your Lord, the one that you love, the one that you follow, the one that you seek with great joy? Or will you on that day of judgment bow in submission, recognizing the foolishness Of resisting Christ, the foolishness of denying Christ, the emptiness of trying to live without Christ. All will see Him and all will confess. But what kind of confession will you have? We are to confess Christ. We come into salvation confessing Christ. The passage in Romans 10 9 comes to mind. Confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord. Believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That's a simple passage. What does it mean to be saved? Well, it's recognizing Christ as Lord. Recognizing Christ as the king of heaven and earth. Recognizing Christ as the one who will rule and reign forever. Recognizing your need to follow him. Submitting under him. Believing in him and following him as a disciple. That's, that's what it means to be saved. It's quite simple. And yet quite profound. We are to confess Christ. We are to submit to Christ. If you are a believer, if you are one who has a testimony that you are a Christian, you are to submit to Christ. What it means to become a Christian is to come under the rule and the lead of Jesus. Jesus. Your Savior, the Christ, the Lord. Jesus knew that there would be those that would confess Him and not follow Him. That there would be those that, would, that for a moment would seek to follow and fall away. There would be those that would be phony, that would be fake. The posers of the faith. Jesus experienced this in His own day as He walked the earth. Luke 6 tells us, Jesus says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? If we are to confess Christ, we are to follow Christ. Christ is Lord. And last is this because Jesus Christ is Lord, we are to await and look forward to the return of Christ. This season is a season that we call Advent. And the reason that we call it Advent just means waiting. And the reason that we celebrate the advent and the waiting of Christ is is because for thousands of years, since the fall in the garden as we looked at this season, when God promised that, that he would bring one that would redeem, that would crush the head of the serpent, from the first gospel of Jesus Christ, the moment that man and woman had sinned in the garden, From that time on, the the thread of Christ is woven throughout the Old Testament and they were waiting and they were waiting for Christ. Last week we looked at, in the temple, Simeon, the old man who holds the baby Jesus and says, I can now die because I have seen the Christ. He had been awaiting for him as God had said that he would not die before he saw him. And so we, too, today, await not Christ's coming. But we are to await the Lord's return. Knowing that he now is ruler of all things. He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. But soon, at any moment, Christ may return and will return. And we await, we advent As we wait for the return of Christ, as he will make right all things, as as he will pull all before him who will confess that he is Christ and Lord, as the promises that of his government there will be no end, prince of peace, eternal rule, all of these wonderful things that we look forward to, are reality is that we await because Christ is Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 encourages believers with this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. We await Christ's return because he is Lord. This Christmas,
1: with all of the other things
0: that we do and in all of the other things, uh, different celebrations that our families have and traditions that we keep. May we keep and remember the reason that Christmas exists. Just that simple sentence from the Christmas angel. Because Christ is Savior. In Him is redemption. In Him is salvation. Jesus Is the Christ. He is the anointed one of God that not only brings salvation, but brings us access as no one else can to God the Father, and that He is Lord. We are to humbly follow Him, to be obedient to Him, to seek to honor Him, to serve Him, because He is king of kings and lord of lords as we await for his return to be made visible. All of that contained in an infant in a stinky, dirty stable wrapped in cloths with no one really paying attention except for dirty old shepherds that came out of the fields and yet in that moment God became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we see his glory, the glory of the Father, and he brings us salvation, he brings us restoration, and he brings us guidance, because he is Jesus, Savior, Christ, and Lord. Do you know him this Christmas season? Not do you know about the Bible, not do you celebrate Christmas, but do you know this Jesus? Do you know the one who is Savior, who is Christ, who is Lord? Can you say, I am saved by Jesus? I have recognized my sin and I've trusted in Him. Can you say, I've been brought into a relationship with the Father because of Jesus Christ, the Anointed One? Can you say, Christ is my Lord and I seek my life in such a way that I follow And that I honor him because I know who he is. Friends, this Christmas, to acknowledge that would be the greatest gift you could ever receive. Would you pray with me? Father.